Welcome to Day 353 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with Matthew Kresge and Katie Kresge. And uh, we continue to read through the middle section of the book of uh, Revelation, which is a, a revelation of God's wrath being poured out you know, from the face of the earth, but also of God's um, salvation for those that are true to him. So you have alternating glimpses of the horror of what it is to live in a world that has rejected God and is under you know, God's judgment, but also the beauty of what it means to belong to God and to be his people and to be called a part of that. And so there are many different interpretations to, uh, you know, the seven seals and the seven trumpets that we find ourselves, you know, in the middle of, you know, at this point and according to the seven bowls of wrath, some see these as progressively moving, uh, you know, toward the end. But uh, you'll notice that we have a glimpse, you know, at the end of each of these of the hope that we have in, in Christ. So, uh, many people think that each of these represent the time between, you know, Christ's ascension to heaven and his, his, his return. And in what Paul has told us, that in the latter days things will go, you know, from bad to worse. And we get from a cosmic view, uh, you know, the, the, the forces that are involved in, in the evil and in the judgment. And it's not just simply, you know, that we live in a world that is, is gone mad. We live in a world that is in the last throes of the hands of our enemy, but he is a, you know, conquered enemy. So we come to Revelation chapter nine, and we come to the fifth seal. The first of, you know, the three seal. You know, the first of these seals. You know, very much remind us of plagues. You know, in Egypt, they're not quite mm-hmm. you know parallel, but the, they move in that same direction. And so you get the same idea that God is using forces of nature to, you know, finally you know condemn and bring judgment on uh, the people that you know the, the powers of this world. Uh, you know, both the natural powers and the supernatural powers uh, behind them. So before we come into uh, chapter 9, mm-hmm. let's do as we always we always do, and we probably especially need to do in reading Revelation more than anything else. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of times our curiosity is piqued on giving an exact, ident- exact identity to every one of these mm-hmm. you know, features and every one of these, an exact time limit and when this will you know, take place. When what we should see is our God's faithfulness, both in judging everything that is opposed to Him and redeeming those whose hearts are, you know, committed to Him, and so we see both, you know, God's certain judgment and God's certain redemption, you know, in the Book of Revelation. So, before we read, Katie, you mind praying for yeah. us? Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together that you have um, set apart for your people to read your Word. Um, and, and for you to be present with us, what a gift your presence is as we open up um, this book and read these words, um, because they're not just words on a page, but um, we get to experience um, just the work of your spirit in us. And I just pray for your guidance. Um, I ask for your um, discernment as we read this book of Revelation, God, um, that we wouldn't get caught up in maybe all the details and the minutiae, but that we would be encouraged by it, that we would find hope in it, um, and that we would see your splendor, Jesus, um, yeah. as the king, the reigning king. Um, and so as as we read about judgment, Lord, would we um, be encouraged that, that as we face many trials, um, that we can find joy and hope um, in you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given a key to the shaft of the abyss. 
when he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss, and out of the smoke, locusts came down on the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or any tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their forehead. They were not allowed to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes. During those days, people will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like the breastplate of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails with stingers like scorpions, and in their tails they had the power to torment the people for five months. They had a king over them, the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abdon, and in Greek, Apollyon, that is the destroyer. The first woe is past, who other woes are yet to come. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound to the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who heard, who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. The breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouth came fire and smoke and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire and smoke and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes, having heads with which they had inflicted injury. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, idols they cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun. His legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a little scroll which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. And he gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion. When he shouted, the voice of the seven thunders spoke, and when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write, but heard a voice from heaven say, seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in them, and the sea and all that is in it, and he said, there will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me once more, Go take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. He said to me, Take it and eat it. It'll it'll turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it'll be sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. 
a really encouraging passage all the way, all the way through. It actually is you know, very encouraging, yeah. and it does end on an encouraging note. Uh, but uh, you do see, you know, the deep intensity, you know, of the judgment of God, and this is, you know, very much in what Paul has told us. You know, as he opens, you know, the book of Romans, that the wrath of God is, is being poured out. Uh, you know, over the over the face of earth and over mankind, we've given ourselves over, uh, you know, everything but God. And of course, that's at the very heart of, you know, God's challenge to Israel is to turn away from their idolatries, the things that their hands have made and they can fashion and that uh, they have worshipped. And, and of course, Paul says, you know, we even now see this happening. And of course, this is the climax. You know, we see of you know God's wrath as it is poured out, and it's in very. Uh, very vivid terms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that stands out to me every time I read these sections of the the judgments is just how much emphasis is on God's sovereignty over all of these things and His execution of these things and and the boundaries and the extent of what He allows to happen and doesn't allow to happen. And I mean, even in nine, you know, the star was given the key, you know, the, um, and the smoke uh, and out of the smoke locusts came down the earth and were given power they mm-hmm. were told not to do this you know just the extent of it's almost in passing that all these things are mentioned and it's just kind of you know there but I, I think we've placed so much emphasis on trying to decode what mm-hmm. all these things mean that at times we miss the very one right. who is sending all of these judgments and and, and, and we also need to realize that this little letter for comfort a letter of comfort yeah. to the people of John's you know generation and, uh, you know, they, you know, like almost people of every generation have looked around them and have looked at their circumstances and have asked the question, you know, where is God in the middle of these circumstances? And, of course, the answer in the book of Revelation is uh, God is guiding these circumstances toward his end. And, of course, his end, as Paul has promised us, you know, in Romans, you know, is his good, is pleasing, and is perfect will for our lives but causing all things to move together for good for those that loved him and are called according mm-hmm. you know to his purposes so we see the calamity of the world around us realize that you know god is in in control that he has allowed these to take place for both his glory and and ultimately for our joy as well but a lot of times when we find ourselves in the middle of those circumstances and we look around us we're Mm-hmm. We have a hard time seeing that, yeah. and mm-hmm. and of course, you know we're, you know we're there now when we see the political disarray around us, and we see, you know, brother, you know, against brother on you know the silliest things on Facebook and social media, and we have no idea what to make of what COVID is going to do next or what we do next in response to COVID, and we've kind of mm-hmm. moved into our different corners, you know, with our different. And uh, we wonder, you know, where is God in the middle of all of this? God is gently working through his people for his glory, for our joy, and bringing everything, you know, to, to a fitting end. And, of course, our, our trauma is not nearly yeah. like the trauma that the first century believers faced. Uh, for us, it's, it's, it's huge. For mm-hmm. God, it's obviously a very small thing. Yeah. I think the thing that sticks out to me, and especially in Chapter 9, is um, just all of this judgment that is happening, and then you get to verse 20, and the rest of mankind who were not killed Uh by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They didn't stop worshiping demons and all of these idols, and and of course, I like his aside, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. And it kind of reminds me, of course, our reaction to that is how are they not 
getting it. And it reminds me of really, well, different instances in the Old Testament, but the one that I'm thinking of is Pharaoh. You know, when God is bringing these plagues on Egypt and Pharaoh still isn't getting it and still isn't repenting. Um, and so it's, but then we ask ourselves, where are we in this? And yeah. we are surrounded by, I mean, terrible things and we still um, want to hold our idols so closely. Yeah. Um, so that one really stuck out to yeah, me. There, there's no doubt, you know, that obviously that, uh, there is a picture of Pharaoh and of Egypt and of the powers arrayed against God, but there's also a picture of Israel mm-hmm. who has seen God's rescuing hand from time and time again, and yet they, you know, no sooner are they rescued from their calamities that they turn back, you know, to their own sense of, uh, uh, you know, worshiping, you know, worshiping idols, and you see that, you know, in that as well. And then you have to look at us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we too, you know, worship things that our hands have made and uh, gold and silver and wood and stone, and, and they become bigger to us than they ought to. And sometimes they, uh, you know, drown out our affections, you know, for the Lord. And uh, I love, you know, what you know Calvin has said on this. Our hearts are above all things idol factories. We tend to attach ourselves to things that are. They're very meaningless, and, and we miss, you know, the, the, the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. But there's also a wonderful comfort, you know, to me in, in those verses that uh, the very purpose of uh, of these, you know, calamitous, you know, circumstances that God is allowing in the face of earth is that people would look to him and repent. Mm-hmm. So there is mercy even in God's judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it is designed, uh, you know, to give us a chance to, to look, you know, beyond ourselves and give us a chance to repent, and yet, uh, even so, we do not. We're mm-hmm. not. We're neither moved by his kindness nor, you know, by yeah. his judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me think of, you know, especially that line: "Idols that cannot see, hear, or walk." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Psalm one fifteen, or yeah. you know, Isaiah's ministry, where essentially, you know, we become what we worship, yeah. and, and the people have given themselves over to so many idols that, that that they've become just like them. They can't see what the Lord is doing. They can't hear His voice. Yeah, we've they, become deaf and dumb become, and mute yeah. and lame. But, we have a whole minute oh, left. Know. Can we talk about chapter ten? Chapter ten. <laughs> I was scroll. Just, I have a funny. Yeah, the, I've, Go ahead. <laughs> no, it just makes me laugh. I love Revelation you jokes. Get this like <laughs> epic. You know, it's not a joke, but it's just this epic portrait of this mighty angel, and like he just keeps reiterating, you know, like reemphasizing and reiterating that there's a little scroll that it's holding. Yeah. But then you know, John's sitting there, and he's like, you know, oh man, I'm I'm seeing so many epic things. I'm hearing all these epic things, and then a voice from heaven says, "Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down." And I just picture John like, yes, yes, right away. Oh, well, I won't write that down. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, just. How how incredible this moment would have been to see. Yeah. All and, of and of course, there's an important message there. We have that in the book of Daniel, yeah. uh, where he's to seal up the prophecy and not you know to write it down. And of course, we have it here, which means you know God has revealed is not revealed to us everything, yeah. mm-hmm. but He has revealed to us everything that we need to know. But even in what is sealed up, we have the confidence you know that He is deeply in control. And of course, yeah. you have this picture you know which is a picture of Jeremiah, you know being offered the words of God, which are you know, turn sour in his stomach, mm-hmm. you know, sweet to his taste, but sour in his stomach. And the same thing, you know, is happening, you know, to, uh, you know, to John. And, and of course, the, there is a sense of comfort, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, in, in proclaiming, you know, the judgment of God, but it ought to always, you know, hit us as something that mm-hmm. is, 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 is bittersweet to us. Mm-hmm. E- even though we, we will know God's redemption, we should, you know, 
not you know simply look at the world around us in vindication ah they got the ours but it should you know turn our uh, you know and the same thing that you know God says in Jeremiah do I delight in the destruction of the wicked would I not rather they turn mm-hmm. and in me find life and, and of course that should be our desire as well not so much an us them culture thankful for the vindication that God yeah. brings but sad mm-hmm. uh, for the judgment that many will face. And you said, you know, this is supposed to be a message of comfort. Yeah, you know, we see that right at the end where he says, uh, the mystery of God will be accomplished just as he announced you know, to mm-hmm. his servants, the prophets, that you know, yeah. God is accomplishing all things to his appointed end, and, and he will bring it to completion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the book of Revelation has, you know, just one in many installments in which God has uh, shown us what is ahead of us. He's you know, not giving us all the answers and all the newspaper headlines, and we have no idea, you know, whether who these wild-haired locusts are that uh, you know look like helicopters to some, and uh, you know, demons yeah. to others, and you know, all the different kind read, of. Read you know, Joel one and two. Yes, you could do that. That would take all the fun out of uh, every every bit of it. Or think it's a helicopter. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that uh, you have spoken. And we thank you that you have revealed your heart and character in your word and you have prepared us and, uh, for, for difficult times in, in the final days, but also you've lifted our eyes beyond our circumstances to the redemption that we have in Christ Jesus. And mm-hmm. your words indeed uh, make us both joyful and sad. We are joyful because of the redemption we have in you and sad that many will not know that redemption because of the hardness of their hearts. May we be a light in our generation for people to see the hope uh, that they have in you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.